Hello and thank you for tuning in to the first ever Rally Towel Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by RallyTowel.ca, your source for fantasy football and Buffalo Bills news. This podcast, however, is going to deal explicitly with fantasy football. And we're going to focus on the 2020 NFL Draft. But before we even get to that, allow me to introduce myself to you. You're probably wondering, who am I listening to? You know, what is this person? What do I need to know? And I'll tell you all that right now. My name is Steven Sahoyas. I am an almost graduate of the Ryerson University Sport Media Program. I spent the last four years of my life studying sport media at Ryerson University. I was an intern at Yahoo Sports turned freelance writer. And I was a freelance writer at Yahoo Sports for the past two years. And I kind of took the lead on fantasy hockey coverage for them this past season. Obviously, there's no hockey. There's no nothing going on right now. And I've always been a, a big fan of all fantasy sports. But in particular, fantasy hockey and fantasy football are my two big loves. So with Rally Towel, I'm here to bring you some fantasy football news and notes. And, you know, enough about me. You didn't come to listen to a podcast about me. You didn't know who I was until I just told you a couple of minutes ago. So let's start off with the winners of the 2020 NFL Draft from a fantasy football perspective. And the biggest winner we all know is Clyde Edwards-Alaire going to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, what can be better than going to play your foreseeable future with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman. That offense is absolutely explosive. I mean, for crying out loud, they just won the Super Bowl. So this guy is the perfect fit for this offense. You heard Andy Reid talking about him after the draft. He said he's better than Brian Westbrook. That's high praise. Andy Reid coached Brian Westbrook with the Eagles, and now he's got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who, in my opinion, was the best pass-catching running back out of this draft. So the the fit in Kansas City could not be more perfect. He's going to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. Kansas City is a team that projects to be in a lot of favorable game script situations for running backs. This team doesn't, in my opinion, I don't see them trailing many games going into the fourth quarter. This is a team, I think, that will be able to give Edwards Alaire whatever he wants. I'm not worried about Damian Williams at this point. This is Clyde Edwards Alaire's backfield he is the undisputed in my opinion 101 in rookie dynasty drafts the next running back I'm going to talk about who was a big winner from the NFL draft was Cam Akers going to the Los Angeles Rams similarly this is a pretty good offense Akers is entering I know the offensive line isn't great but it can't be worse than what he dealt with in college. I mean, Florida State had one of the absolute worst O-lines throughout Akers' entire career at Florida State. And let's focus more so on 2019 with this FSU O-line. Pro Football Focus ranks 130 college football teams' offensive lines. And just take a stab at where you think Florida State's was rated. They weren't last. They weren't 130. They were 129. This guy ran behind the second worst offensive line. You take an explosive player like Cam Akers and you plug him into a Rams offense with Sean McVay, who, you know, the results weren't there last year. But two years ago, he got this team to the Super Bowl and was touted, you know, the greatest offensive genius since they invented a football. So in my opinion, you put him in this offense that has a lot of playmaking weapons and is one of the better offensive teams in the NFL, and you get a guy who is going to a, a situation 
situation where he can succeed. And the the porous, the below average Rams O-line is not a concern to me considering where he's coming from and what he had to deal with, specifically speaking, in 2019. There was another running back who also ended up in a pretty good spot for his fantasy football value, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have been brutal running the football the last couple of seasons with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Well, Barber's gone. Ronald Jones is still there, but I don't think he's any match for Keyshawn Vaughn, who, in my opinion, he's not a flashy player. He's not a pretty player, which falls in line with the Vanderbilt offense he was in in college, and I think that's part of the reason why he maybe slipped under the radar a bit, but he's got good vision, he is a smart football player, and he can run the ball well. He'll take what opposing defenses give you. He's not the most explosive guy in open field, but when you're on a Buccaneers team that's going to have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Tyler Johnson, and not even to mention Tom Brady, and you factor that in with an O-line that is starting to rebuild, Keyshawn Vaughn's going to have room to run because defenses are going to have to worry about so many different parts about this offense. I'm telling you right now, Bruce Arians is going to be able to get Vaughn in space and allow him to be a successful running back in this offense. The days of looking at the Buccaneers as just a wasteland for fantasy football running backs are done, and Keyshawn Vaughn is going to spearhead that movement this season. Enough about the running backs that won at the 2020 NFL Draft. Let's dive into those wide receivers. And this was a deep wide receiver class. And one guy who I was shocked that he ended up sliding in the second round was Denzel Mims. I had him entering the NFL Draft as my number three ranked wide receiver. I had him behind only CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy while being one spot above Henry Ruggs, who wound up being the first wide receiver taken off the board. But Mims ended up in a glorious situation for his fantasy value. The Jets have no clear established pecking order in their wide receiver room, which means he can step in day one and be the number one wide receiver, which I think he's going to. I know they added Brashad Perryman, but his body of work in the NFL doesn't scream to me, I'm a wide receiver one. This job is open for the taking. And if you ask me, which of the two I think is more talented, I'm going to tell you Denzel Mims every single day of the week. And this will be an element to this Jets offense that they've lacked since bringing in Sam Darnold in the first round back in the 2018 draft. They haven't had that prototypical X receiver. I know they had Robbie Anderson, and while there were some nice hot stretches, it was mainly cold with Robbie Anderson being the number one. And now he's in Carolina, so Mims to me, a clear path to fantasy production and a Jets offense that should take a step forward this season. Now this next player I'm going to name, you're probably going to scratch your head when I say his name at first. You're going to be like, Steven, are you being serious right now? I can't tell if you're joking. Like, you're saying this guy won at the NFL draft? And that guy is C.D. Lamb, and his landing spot was the Dallas Cowboys. I know what you're thinking right away. You're saying, how could he be a winner? They already have Amari Cooper. They already have Michael Gallup. It's going to be crowded in Dallas. This was not a great landing spot. But I've got one thing to say to combat any of those arguments. C.D. Lamb is going to absolutely feast on opposing teams number two or number three cornerbacks. We already know Amari Cooper is going to get the number one corner on any team, which means 
they'll have to decide whether they put number two on Lamb or they put it on Gallup. And that will leave number three for whoever. And it doesn't matter. None of that even matters because whether it's number two or whether it's number three, CeeDee Lamb is going to feast. He's better than most teams number two, and you can bet he's better than every single NFL team's number three cornerback. He is going to get open like we've never seen. He is an alpha. This guy is unbelievable. And if you don't believe me, just go look at the tape. Dallas stole him. There was a reason why Jerry Jones was sitting there in his yacht, just grinning from ear to ear, had that big old grin on his face he knew he stole cd lamb and it would not shock me at all that by the season's end we're looking at this cowboys offense and saying man cd lamb that's their number one wide receiver and another thing he's got going for him too is we know dak prescott can get the job done the worry with a lot of quarterbacks is you know are they able to get the ball to their playmakers that's not an issue for prescott we know he can do that so He's got quarterback play working for him, and he's also got the benefit of not having to draw top teams opposing defenders. So to me, C.D. Lamb won at the NFL Draft. Not everyone could be a winner, though. That's just the way life is. You know, there's winners and there's losers. And although there were far more winners at the 2020 NFL Draft, that didn't mean we didn't have a few losers that we're going to talk about right now. And the first guy went to a team where the consensus is out on them. They also lost the 2020 NFL Draft, and that's the Green Bay Packers selection of Jordan Love in the first round. I mean, everyone had itchy heads after this pick was made. Everyone had was scratching their head wondering why the Green Bay Packers decided not to draft the wide receiver, a glaring need for this team, and went with Jordan Love. Like At the earliest, he's going to start in two years, in my opinion. He's not going to start this year, and he likely won't start next year. We saw a bit of a decline in Aaron Rodgers' play last year, but nothing that would suggest that there's a change of the guard needed in Green Bay. And I understand that they're trying to replicate the Rodgers passing or the Favre passing the torch to Rodgers movement that happened when Favre was at the end of his career. But this is different. This, to me, is different. Rodgers was a value pick. He shouldn't have ended up being available to the Packers when they selected him. Love is a project. I was not a big fan of Love's decision-making, and I know a lot of people have him touted as the small school Patrick Mahomes. I don't see it. I see it in the flashy athletic plays, but I don't see it in the consistency. Another thing with Love is I've already mentioned how it's going to take him some time to even start in Green Bay, but if he does, he's going to have the same issues Aaron Rodgers does, and that's no good wide receivers to throw the ball to outside of Devontae Adams. You look at that wide receiver group, it's horrendous. It's really bad. Adams is on an island. He's the only good player in that offense, and he's just going to continue to get targets because if I'm Aaron Rodgers, who else do I throw that ball to? And so if Love comes in, he's going to have to, you know, feast for or feast or famine, really, because the wide receiver options in that offense just aren't great. So Jordan Love didn't end up in a great spot for his intermediate or immediate fa- fantasy value. Who knows long term? But right now, it's it it's not a great spot. The next guy, I'm not as low on this guy's landing spot as a lot of other people are, but DeAndre Swift could have gone to a better spot than the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to 
tell you why it's not great because first of all he's going to have to go and compete with carry on johnson who both backs do pretty similar things out of the backfield they're they're both kind of these players you want to get the ball to an open space they're both capable pass catchers but there's no doubting in my mind deandre swift is more talented it's just going to be annoying in 2020 for fantasy football owners with this situation because they're not complementary backs it's not like there's it's a thunder and lightning both these guys are lightning and we know lightning doesn't strike twice. So we're not going to have both these guys being productive at the same time. It's going to take either a decision from Detroit to roll with one over the other or a move, whether it's you know likely carry on Johnson, who could potentially be moved. Something's going to have to happen in order for this backfield to clear up. I think by the end of the season, we'll see Swift as the clear number one running back in this backfield. But it's just going to be a, a muddled up annoying situation for fantasy football owners immediately in 2020 another guy i promise this isn't a theme i'm not going to go back to this well for the under the losers category but you know if i were to come on here and say that the green bay packers lost the draft that means they probably had a couple of bad picks and this next one is aj Dillon. there's no immediate upside to his situation at all this is a three-headed monster at running back and Dillon is number three I don't see where he's going to get his in this offense. The issue with Dylan is he's not a great pass protector, but neither is Aaron Jones. So that's why they have Jamal Williams, because he's better as a passing down running back. So he's not going to really touch the field on passing downs, and he doesn't do anything better than Aaron Jones. So none of his best qualities outweigh either Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams' best qualities. So how is he going to see the field? Once Aaron Jones' contract is up, then maybe the situation opens up for him. It likely does, and he'll probably step in, and they'll try to use him similarly to the way they use Aaron Jones. But as of right now, there's not a whole lot to love about A.J. Dillon landing in Green Bay. This next receiver was someone who I thought could potentially be a sleeper in Dynasty rookie drafts, but K.J. Hamler going to the Denver Broncos didn't really move the needle. It, if anything, it moved the needle backwards for me. It didn't move it forwards at all. And the reason why is they drafted Jerry Judy in the first round. They already have Cortland Sutton. They have Noah Fant. They added Albert O. They have Melvin Gordon now at running back. And they still have Philip Lindsay, who's a good satellite back. So to me, where does Hamler get his? If anything, he makes this receiver group better. His addition brightens the appeal of the other receivers because he's able to stretch the field and he'll open stuff underneath for the other receivers but it doesn't add to his appeal at all so he'll be one of those players that is more valuable in reality than he is in fantasy which does us fantasy football owners not a whole lot of good but I do like Hamler as a prospect and if there were an injury in this Denver offense to either of Judy or Sutton I think he could step up and be a player in this offense. Lastly on my list of losers is someone I've actually kind of been warming up on a little bit. And that's T. Higgins going to the Cincinnati Bengals. At first, I was not a big fan of the fit because I just thought that situation was really too crowded. And they already had a nice configuration. They have A.J. Green as this prototypical X-wide receiver. You have John Ross as the field stretcher, the speedster. Then you've got Tyler Boyd, who's a big option out of the slot. So to me, they already had their roles filled at receiver. But I can understand where the appeal for T. Higgins will come. Because you have a team that's 
rebuilding their offensive line. They add Joe Burrow, who's going to be there for a long time, and so will T. Higgins. So I think long-term appeal, I'm more in on the T. Higgins uh, in fantasy, but short-term, I'm, I just don't see where he's going to get it done. He's someone that in redraft leagues, I'm not really looking to target. But in a dynasty league, I'm willing to take a flyer on Higgins. Me personally, on the prospect alone, I'm not the biggest T. Higgins fan. I think he's got a lot of room to work. Uh, I don't think he's the fastest guy. I question how much he can create separation, but he he is a big target on the outside, and Joe Burrow's got an accurate arm, and he's not afraid to throw it to the outside. So to me, I think Higgins could end up building a pretty strong report with Burrow and in turn being a solid fantasy option at wide receiver further down the road. So that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up the first ever Rally Towel Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you feel good about yourself because you just witnessed history, a first ever. With everything that's going on right now in the world, it's nice to talk about fantasy football to just kind of get away from all this coronavirus talk and, and stuff. And it's I know it's taking its toll on a lot of people mentally, but it's good to have events. It was so nice to have the NFL draft to kind of take our minds off of what's going on in the world around us and to, to really get back into that fantasy football state of mind because as we know the sports right now might be sleeping but fantasy football never sleeps so i appreciate you listening to this podcast giving it a listen and if you can do anything you can do to support the podcast whether it's rate or subscribe that'd be greatly appreciated i'm new to the podcast game so however you want to show your support i'll appreciate it nonetheless so thank you for listening to the first ever rally towel fantasy football podcast